G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the second part of our pre-finals by season reviews for those teams that did not make the eight. Of course, uh, a week off for the men before the start of this final series. Uh, I had a few thoughts on the pre-finals by at least though now with the AFLW season having started, uh, we haven't had to completely twiddle our thumbs. There's been plenty of exciting footy to entertain us. As I say, a big hello to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shuring? I'm good, Rowan. I'm good. Yeah, very uh, a different sort of weekend. Um, a little bit of time down the Ballerine Peninsula, walking on beaches and uh, a bit of a meal at a winery. Then... Um, Back up on the on the train, a, a, a great first round of AFLW, Essendon versus Hawthorne, then then some family time on the Sunday. So, um, yeah, very productive weekend and uh, looking forward to the first week of the finals coming up. It's a considerable wait, isn't it? But uh, really good to see the AFLW start uh, with you know, full attention on that and the seasons of men and women now coming a bit more into sync than they were. Uh, we have uh, five more clubs to do. Those are the teams which finished in places 13th through tonight. So the ones that got a bit closer than the first half of our preview are uh, probably going to be a little bit more suitably upbeat as a result of that. But we have a bit of a, uh, mm, yeah, we'll call it news feed, but a bit of behind the news uh, analysis of news, if you like. I'd like to discuss springing this on you, Robert, but I know you're up to the task. Let's get stuck into that right now. On Footyology Newsfeed. All right. I thought this was a good forum to bring up. Uh, it's certainly topical given the lack of men's football at the top level this weekend. And it's one of my biggest hobby horses, Robert. It is the pre-finals buy. Uh, one word, are you a fan, yes or no? Yes. Okay, I think I might have to stop doing this podcast with you now, Robert, because I am a very, very big no. No, we can have a debate about it. We didn't set this up. You answered. You asked me this without notice. Absolutely. You're going to ask me why I'm right? after I give the first of uh, my arguments as to why. Oh, you're going to go first, are you? Well, you can can command the audience. No, 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 go on. No, go. (laughs) All right. Well, there's two factors in this. One is the complete disruption to momentum. So we had one of the most exciting finishes to a home and away season we've ever seen with that amazing finish to Collingwood Carlton. Carlton denied a spot in the eight at the last possible moment in the home and away season. Um, And everyone's 
you know, expectant about finals and looking forward to them. And then they've got to wait a week. It's two weeks from that moment until we get the first finals. But that isn't my biggest argument. That is about the, I think, the endangering of the integrity of how we determine this, uh, well, every Premier since 2016 when it was brought in. I've got some facts and figures I'd like to share, but uh, you have a crack first. You tell me why you like the pre-finals by. I like the capacity for the Western Bulldogs to get up and win the premiership. I like the openness. I like, uh, you You spoke about Carlton Collingwood. Well, let them have a rest and let's reproduce that with fresh teams. Um, I, I like everyone getting their injuries in order. I like a break from the intensity um, yes, you and I are both traditionalists and, and we miss our Saturday football and our Friday night finals. But in the, in the hope that it gets the, the eight teams fit, fresh and firing and the capacity to have an outstanding final series, players to rest, long season round, 23 weeks, we don't know who hobbled into last week. But... You know, we're going to get players back from injury. Without the bye, Rowan, Dustin Martin doesn't play this week. With the bye, you've got the ability to see one of the champion players on the big stage. And that's what it's all about. And not Dustin Martin, but everyone. We've got an inductor injury to Marcus Bonton Pelly. I want to see him dominate the scene in the final series. And the countless other players that we want to watch. Okay. Well, all right. I accept you're entitled to that view. For me, it is all about rewarding the sides that have had the best seasons that finish in the top four. And uh, we talk about the Bulldogs, how in 2016, they got those five injured players back with the week's break, went to Perth, won their elimination final, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, nothing against that. And I, I agree. It was a great story. And, uh, you know, we, we were all blessed to, to see it happen. My uh, quibble is with the disadvantage it does to those teams that have performed best. And the figures say it all. Here are the damning figures. Prior to the introduction of the pre-finals by in 2016, 17 of the previous 18 preliminary finals had been won by a team which had won its qualifying final, had a week off, and then took on in the preliminary a side that had played every week of the season and through the finals. In the five years of the pre-finals by from 2016 to 2020, now remember last year we didn't have it because it was shifted to pre-grand final, the record of qualifying final winners in the preliminary final was four wins and six losses. So we've gone from 17 wins out of 18 to four wins out of 10. That's 94% to 40%. The reason? Because those sides don't play enough football. What happens is the sides that win the wins the qualifying final ends up by preliminary final day or night having played one game in around 27 days after having played week in, week out virtually for six months. It's too big a disruption to routine and the proof is in the pudding. The examples... 2016, when Geelong played Sydney in the preliminary after one game in 27 days and got jumped with seven goals to nothing in the first quarter. 
2018, when Richmond, unbackable favourites to the flag, got jumped by Collingwood in the first half of their preliminary, couldn't retrieve the deficit. They'd played one game in about a month. 2019, Collingwood, shoe was on the other foot. They won their qualifying final by preliminary final against GWS, Played had played one game in 26 or seven days. They got jumped, came back at the death, couldn't win. It's such an obvious trend when 17 of 18 qualifying final winners have won the preliminary and then four of the next 10. It is having a really adverse effect on sides because they're good. They're good enough to finish top four and then they're good enough to win their qualifying finals and their reward, in inverted commas, is to only end up playing one game in a month and be underdone against a season finals opponent playing every week. That, to me affects who ends up winning the flag and it's wrong and why was it done it was done because twice Ross Lyons Fremantle sides and once North Melbourne having qualified in a certain spot which wasn't going to alter rested half a side of players to freshen them up for the final something that happens incidentally regularly in the EPL and other soccer competitions here though we all ran around saying the sky is falling the sky is falling and they introduced this they basically tried to crack a walnut with a sledgehammer by introducing the pre-finals by, which has had this, I think, quite marked effect on how we decide the premiership just because two or three teams in, in a season of 200-odd games have decided to rest some players. Massive overreaction, and it's had a really adverse effect on how we decide the premiership side. Your response? I think you've been very unfair. On? Me? Why? Well, you've been armed with an armful of stats. You've walked in with manila folders, computer printouts, evidence, support, documentation. And on the other hand, you said, Robert, question without notice. <laughs> I've had to go off the top of my head for an emotional outburst because I want Dustin Martin to play in two weeks' time. And, and I've just been done six love and didn't get to the net once. <laughs> I, I think your uh, I think your argument was fair enough. Yeah, it was an emotional argument, but a lot of people will share your view. But it depends. I think you know I'm happy for an even final series, but there has to be some benefit for the sides that finish up the top. Otherwise, what's the point? And particularly, Robert, <laughs> this year you've got Richmond, one of the most seasoned, experienced finalists of all time, working in that bottom four. If we had the old system and no buy, they had to play right through, I'd still give them a really good chance of okay. winning this flag. This year, they're, they're in every bit as good a position, I think, as the sides in the top four. It's, you know, so what, is, what do we play six months for in an attempt to qualify in the top four? What's it all for if that advantage is diminished? That's okay. my argument. Thank you, Rowan. All right. Well, come on. Come on, Robert. That correctly says. No, I've... How can I answer that? I've debated my point. You've debated your point. Does the, does I don't know. the debate can be kin to? No, let's make it like footy classified and just call me an idiot or something. Get all emotional. And... <laughs> I, won't, I won't do that. I, I presented my side of the argument. I'll, I'll stick with that. Um, I'm happy to take a deep breath after a very long season. Um, as I said, no, you, you've come armed with some very compelling facts that the record, the advantage, and it used to be the advantage, even in our junior days of a top four, Rowan, 
it was a significant advantage to win the second semi-final and have the preliminary final week off and you deserved it didn't you mm. and, it, and it certainly helped so um compelling arguments from yourself a reasonable argument for me and i'll leave it at that actually i had one more you you could throw into the mix oh. with well no with the no to support you with the old oh. final five system the side that finished on top had a week off, and then if they won the second semi, they had another week. Another off. week off, yeah. So in a way, no different. But I, I would argue that the season is more taxing now, and the oh, week week you. off has yeah. become a bigger factor. Uh, anyway, I'm quite surprised we went back to it after last year, going with the pre grand final buy, which incidentally I, I wasn't a fan of either. And I don't well, I'm not think, a fan of that one. I don't, Gee, think, that, no, no. I, don't, I don't think many people were. That was an interminable wait for the grand final. But uh, surprise we've gone back to it. And uh, this is the upshot a weekend uh, without finals. In the men's code, of course, we had women's football to watch and the season just getting underway there. Uh, all right, time now to get stuck into the reviews. Let's start with the review of uh, the team which finished the ladder in 13th position. On Footyology, wrap around. Hawthorne finished in 13th spot on the AFL ladder. The win-loss tally, eight wins, 14 losses. Their percentage, 898 First season under new coach Sam Mitchell, uh, Robert, you and I were both pretty bullish about their prospects. Some will think they were a tad disappointing. Others might think they've overachieved. I reckon 8-14 and pretty competitive right throughout the season. I reckon it was a pretty reasonable effort. Uh, under debutant coach Mitchell, what did what did you think? Yeah, I'm more a nine twelve. I think Ron. I think yeah. their, their their inconsistencies and a couple of really soft performances. Um, let, let's just go through their list at the moment. They uh, they had Gunston out for a considerable amount of time. Wingard couldn't get on the park a lot with hamstring injuries, and um, Warple, although injured, it would be fair to say he never reached the um, halcyon or the the highs of his best and fairest year, did he? So there was a bit happening there. Uh, the positives, they look like they can get a 60-plus goal kicker out of Mitch Lewis. So I think it's going to be very, very important they keep Gunston. The ageing veterans, Brewster's still as smart and sharp as any small forward in the competition. And Liam Shield um, has been sort of resigned consigned to the medical sub a fair bit. I think they've still got a role to play, but whether or not Gunston leaves, um, Shield looks for greener pastures, and he would be an ideal target. You know, uh, forget about Hill going to North Melbourne. Uh, they need a sol solid senior player, another one, and I'm, I'm suggesting that Liam Shield could well and truly end up with Alistair Clarkson. Well, it could go even more higher profile than that. I mean, the, you know, every chance they might hawk around a, a Tom Mitchell or a Jager O'Meara, um, which a couple of years ago they might not have been inclined to do. But I, I think one big plus for them, I'm pretty bullish about the young guys on their list, which is interesting because I reckon a couple of years ago we were saying, who are their promising kids? Well, there's an army of them now, isn't there? I mean, Mitch Lewis, Dylan yes. Moore, um, Jai Newcomb, uh, and then this year you saw the emergence of Josh Ward, uh, Finn McGuinness, uh, really good towards the end of the year, Connor McDonald, 
Um, you've got Jeff there. He's a he's a ripper. Scrimshaw on the other half back flank. You know. Yep. 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 Very <clears> good. You know the other thing about this season, you said you would have you, know, you thought more nine wins. Well, I just had a look at their record. They had five losses by thirteen points or less. Wow. So you add them to the eight wins. This thirteen, and they've really seldom been blown away in any game this season. Oh, there was a sixty-seven point drubbing at the hands of the Gold Coast. That was a shocker, and a sixty-nine point one against St Kilda. But those, oh, sorry, sixty-one against Richmond. Those three aside, though, they were competitive right throughout the season. So uh, I think a, a big tick for their um, resilience, and I think a big tick. For the kids, I like the brand of footy they play too. They're definitely more attacking, less defensive than they were under Alistair Clarkson. Sam Mitchell has sort of taken the bit between the teeth with the sort of brand of footy he wants his side to be playing. I know you, um, and I can, you know, I know because I'm looking at you on the other end of the screen. I know you did that off the top of your head, Rowan. And um, But to reel off those young players is, um, it tells me something. Um, they stand out. You're mm. able to do that without a list in front of you, which shows you, look, it's easy to identify the future strength of the Hawthorne Football Club. The questions go, look, and then you you add the, you know, Sicily had a great year. He had 179 intercept possessions. I've got a question without notice for you. The ageing warrior, the great player, had a great career, uh, uh, McAvoy, mm. um, do they go in search of another Ruckman? Or I know we laugh about his shoulders and all that with Tommy Brown and all that. Do you think Ned Reeves is an adequate first Ruckman going forward with this team? Or do they need to look elsewhere for their Ruck support? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought he was pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's he's certainly big enough, isn't he? He's one of the, he's one of the biggest players we've ever seen. But I, I was pretty impressed with him. Um, the shoulder injury, all Tom Brown jokes aside, did sort of compromise him a bit. But um, is that enough, though? Do they need more than him? Uh, you know, I mean... Beyond him, what did they have? Max Lynch, bit of a journeyman, you know, started at Collingwood, uh, just had the seven games. They might need one more of them, I think, in, in the works. But, uh, yeah, I, I was pretty bullish about Reeves. I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. Only played the 12 games too. So he's obviously going to have to um, carry the burden now, you'd think, with the retirement of big boy McAvoy. Yeah, and I'm really glad you mentioned Finn McGuinness. Towards the end of the year, I haven't got the players in front of him, but it was well documented how they used him as a run-with, a creative run-with player, and he got some fantastic scalps. So I'm glad you mentioned him in those young blokes. Uh, it's going to be an interesting off-season around their veterans, Gunston, Mitchell, Bruce and Shield. Because I think if you're, if you're listing such a potent group of young players, I think you've got to have... We're talking about North and Clarkson's with, with Cunnington and these sort of like. It's going to be important to keep a core senior blokes around them. But I'm very bullish. We're going to be bullish again, Rowan, when we speak about this next year. Eight wins. You know, this, this group is uh, capable of projecting themselves very close to the eight. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right, that was the Hawks. Uh, let's move up one rung on the ladder and talk about the next team.
Coming in in 12th spot in 2022 was Gold Coast with a win-loss record of 10 and 12 and a percentage of 102.8. Officially, the Suns' best season of their 12 in AFL company. They also had 10 wins in 2014, but their percentage, uh, I think, was a bit lower, 99 point something off the top of my head. Uh, 2022 saw a far more resilient version of Gold Coast. I think you'd agree, Robert. We uh, rarely, uh, well, not nearly as often, saw them get blown away. We saw them several times come back uh, against adversity and and recover in the course of a game, which is something which they'd seldom done before. Uh, We saw some great uh, recruits from other clubs uh, via the introduction of Mabby Orchol and Levi Casbolt. I think they got a lot more exciting up forward with the likes of um, Jeffrey and, and Roses. I thought they gave him a bit of extra spark. Um, one plus, which unfortunately will now be a negative, is Isaac Rankin. He had a great season, but he has requested a trade to Adelaide. Um, but all this too, and I keep pointing this out, but it, it is significant because once upon a time, uh, Gold Coast having lost their number one key forward, Ben King, to an ACL injury, didn't even get on the ground at all. Um, that would have said kaput their whole season, but they didn't. They were able to um, fashion the better or the best forward structure they've had. They played a good brand of footy. They knocked off some uh, decent sides among those 10 wins. Uh, Stuart Dew got a contract extension as a result. and Well done to him. It was definitely a big tick for the Suns, I thought, overall. What do you think? Yeah, and we've only been met with the news that's extremely disappointing because they've valued their ability to keep their young players now, Rowan. And <clears throat> so for me, it's four steps forward this year and uh, one step backwards. And that one step backwards is that it looks like um, we will not see the combination next year of King and and uh, Rankin. And that's very, very disappointing because this is a developing team. You mentioned Roses, Jeffrey, throw in Davies, Lacatius, these sort of players. It had the capacity and the improve. well, the imp- not the improvement, the, uh, well, Chol did, but, but the, the contribution of Chol and Casbolt cannot be underestimated. So if you keep Rankin and bring King into that side, you're talking some, uh, some serious front half ability. Um, they're very good on the ball. And you've got to remember, they lost Ballard, they lost Badarik. Um, they, they lost some very important players out of the back line. And that's somewhere I think they're going to look at. They've got elite players in the midfield, uh, led by Took Miller. The improvement of coming back from injury from Rao was great. Anderson, very much a very classy player there. So I think what they'll be doing is getting the bonus of King back and looking at their back line and hoping they have a very good run with injury, which they didn't. Do you think uh, there's been plenty of speculation about a, a Dustin Martin potential recruiting bid? Uh, do you think that would be a good move for them or is that more of a, a Gary Ablett thing? Do they need to have got past the need for a superstar to prop the whole thing up, do you think? I think it's closer to a Gary Ablett, Rowan. Yeah. As much as I... Uh, so is that, are you saying, though, is that a good or a bad thing? No, that's a bad thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Don't you agree with that? I, I think, no, I do. I think, I think they've gone past that. Yeah. And I think they should be looking to the draft, looking to trades. They've they've definitely improved their um their destination portfolio, haven't they? Yeah. You wouldn't mind going there. No. No, well, There's no I, doubt about that. No, that's half the battle. It is a big blow that that kid's leaving. If he said, sign me up, I'm here, that's that's a huge lift for them. Hmm. Most of them, they're going to state, you know, um, which was monumental. I'll tell you what, you talked about uh, Sam Taylor before, um, the Taylor at GW. He, Collins has been wonderful at fullback for them. I still think they need big, strong backline players. Um they, they had injuries in the back line, but their improvement has been significant. What they need structurally, Rowan, is outside pace and run. They yeah. need, we, we keep using him, the Bradley Hill type would be very, very important to them going forward. Yeah, no, good observation. I, I agree with that entirely. I, I think one thing we've got to be careful about too, and whilst we're praising them on the one hand, it's sort of relative to what we've expected from them before. We still need to look at the bigger picture, which is for all that resilience and, and more wins than they've had before. I think one significant stat is they were three, seven, three wins, seven losses against top eight teams this year. So that says that whilst they are capable of getting to a certain level, the top of their chart is still a fair bit short of the best teams in the competition. I'm very comfortable with that because that's exactly where they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the point I'm making is they need to be very conscious of that and not do an Essendon, so to speak, and sit back and drink their own bathwater over what is a relatively minor achievement. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree entirely. So, um, uh, uh, like a a very good, like they did make the, it's significant that they've had their best year, player retention, I keep going back. It's frustrating, Rowan. Player retention has been their biggest problem. And yeah. just when they're about to get it right, this kid walks out the door. So I'm um, I'm very sorry for them. Well, good chance, though, to show that newfound resilience uh, in terms of how they uh, cover the loss of Isaac Rankin. Okay, that's it for the Suns. Uh, let's keep moving up that ladder. In 11th spot on the 2022 ladder, Port Adelaide with 10 wins, 12 losses, a reasonable percentage for a side with that win-loss record, 110.3%. How do we assess the power? Well, I've got to say, I'm a bit conflicted here because shocking start. They dropped their first five games and were chasing tail from that moment on, and you can't escape that. But their good moments were pretty good. Uh, I think they showed a reasonable streak of resilience when that hasn't always been a factor for them. And they did have some very good wins and strong performances. Again, though, the bottom line is 10 wins, 12 losses and no finals when 2021 yielded 17 wins, five losses and a spot in a preliminary final. So it's a significant drop and uh, they really can't, afford to lose sight of that it has to be a very disappointing season if you're grading it how do you say yeah well player for player man for man they had a lot of wins along the way in terms of uh, um, form I just want to go you've highlighted the percentage is very impressive Ryan Mm. so that's a tick 
Yeah. Right. Also, 74.5 points average against. That's also a tick. Yeah. So I'm not sure what went wrong, Rowan, but I can tell you, we, as you know, 0-5. And in the last 10 games, they won 50% of them, 5-5, five and five, right? Yeah. So when I do my sums, they've won five games out of 15. The, the first five and the last 10. So somewhere along the line, they've had a good patch of form and they haven't been able to put it together. Well, they've uh, also I, they've they've also like um, like some of the uh, who was that other side we were talking about Hawthorne have had some very narrow losses. In in fact, really, the, the, here's your percentage answer: they've had seven losses by twelve points or less. Well, can we project that forward to the team that's in the top four? Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's been an incredible season of fine margins for. Several teams, the difference between... Collingwood get over the line, Port Adelaide don't. Yeah. Um, so that might be the tale of the tape, folks. I love the move of Finlayson into the ruck. That's a winner. Um, so they've got to look at the ruck situation going forward. Um, Dixon will go around again. So will they go with the successful Finlayson-Dixon? I liked it. And then they've got Marshall and Georgiades up up front. Rosie into the midfield was a winner from a very smart, elusive and clever half forward to be a high possession, classy midfielder was a real win for them. I think uh, we can't ignore injury when we talk about Port Adelaide. They had a pretty wretched run with injury and to to key players, you know, some of the young guns missed large chunks of the season, but a key one, and, uh, you know, you might not have thought, as a name, not that big, but Scott Lysette, uh losing the Ruckman, I thought really hurt their structure. Do you reckon it did? Yeah, I reckon I they had a win with Finlayson. Mm. He became, did he become a, I can't call him a dominant player. So what's mm. a Neville, next, a very effective player in uh, like, what is he? Six, six in the old scar. So yeah. he's not a, he's not a mammoth Ruckman. He's a Ruckman size from the 1960s. But yeah. I thought one of the reasons they had that runner form, was they went unpredictable. And no, they, no, they, a, they found something. My, yeah, my argument would be, though, that if you have Lysette in the ruck, you can have Finlayson um, having a broader portfolio around the ground. You know, he does the ruck work in the forward line, plays as a key forward, maybe use him down back. I mean, he's pretty uh, versatile, I would have thought. I take your point, though. Yeah. Um what they're going to need, one thing they're going to need, I think, is small forwards. You know, Robbie Gray's retired now. Stephen Motlop's retired. Um, they started to look a lot better in terms of key forwards later in the season, didn't they? The they combination did, yeah. of Dixon, Georgiades and Marshall. And Marshall was a big plus for them, I thought. But um, who's going to do the work at their feet? And that's something to be considered now when they're looking uh, to the trade table. And in the draft, you'd think, wouldn't you? Um, by the way, the other one in the ruck barely played, but when he did play, he looked quite good. Was that uh, Bryn Teekle? Quite impressed with him, so keep your eye on him. He had a bad run, didn't he? His first game, he looked so good and got injured. Um, yeah, he did. Are they an immediate bounce back for you, Rowan? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I'm looking at what they lose. And, and you know, Gray, more cameos. Of, of recent times, Motlop, you know, wasn't in the side a lot of the time. So 
I don't think they lose much. Uh, Carl a... Amon's going to put himself in the free agency and return to, well, I, I presume return to Melbourne somewhere. Mm. Yeah, he'd, he'd be a yeah. loss. But they've got plenty with scope for improvement. I mean, one, one player is tremendously talented, but a bit in and out, and he hasn't had much luck on the injury front. Xavier Dersma, I rate him pretty highly, so they'd be hoping to get more out of him. Um, Port supporters always seem disgruntled about Kenny Hinckley as coach, but uh, he's more popular in other parts. I've seen a few people trying to uh, suggest Essendon should lever him towards getting the job there. So do you think Hinckley's um, looking okay as Port coach? I, I do, yeah. I think um, he'll... I, I think he'll want to see this one through. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Um, hasn't got the team into a grand final. Is that an indication of lack of success over 10-year period there's certainly been uh, they've been somewhat of a hot and cold side but um a couple of preliminary finals i think well, three. three three preliminaries yep. wow so knocked on the door three times and no one's home so that's pretty close i think they'll want him to stay and i think um he'll be on a mission this year but project your thinking forward 12 months and may well be a different case Yep, uh, definitely crunch time, though, 2023 for him and this side uh, if they're going to have one more crack at it. All right, let's move on. Intense spot on the AFL ladder this season. St Kilda with a win-loss record of 11-11 and and percentage just under 199.3%. well, a bit of a uh, a roller coaster their season, really, wasn't it? Some some great ups, um, some pretty awful downs. They were what eight two at one stage, and uh, or was it eight three? And and heading into the bye and looking absolutely set for finals, but gee, it all came unstuck in the back half of the season, uh, and some shocking performances over that period. Uh, injuries to key players exposed a a bit of a lack of depth, I think. Um, they couldn't get some guys on the park. Uh, to wit, Dan Hannabury retired, barely having been a factor for St Kilda. But when he did play, as in that final game, uh, the what-ifs would have been resonating because uh, had they been able to get him on the park, he could have been enormous value for them. Brad Hill, an interesting one because his best has been good for them, but hasn't shown it consistently enough. And he's now seemingly on everyone's lips, including ours as potential uh, trade bait. Uh, where are St Kilda in terms of being able to challenge for higher honours? It's a bit of a difficult one to answer. Finalists in 2020, poor last year, and this year somewhere in between. Is that enough to keep going with this list and have another crack at it? Or do they need to start stripping back and building from ground up again? What What do you reckon? Well, they're, they're a club, another club that's going with an external review and... Um... Um, Simon Lethleen's got hold of David Noble to do the external review together with the... I'm not here or there with there. It's it's made interesting reading and had some quite interesting responses. But they certainly went down the Zach Zones, Crouch, Hill, Hanabry, Butler and Higgins route, didn't they? Is that a topping up? They're all good footballers. But... Um, and and, and what, what came late was that they've got good young players there. Marcus Windhager had a terrific year. I really like Mitch Owens as a young player. 
So have they overcompensated with age and experience? Not that Higgins is, if you know what I mean. Cooper Sharman showed something. Josh Battle's a very good player. You know the other. You know the other one who was looking good before he got injured, Jack Hayes, the mature age recruit yeah. from South Australia, but he did look really good. You know, they're, they're players they made themselves. Jack Sinclair had a terrific year at halfback. Uh, Wilkie was great. Uh, I think they've got to have a look at this philosophy of um, other players from other clubs. Now that might mean I don't think they're prepared. Um, to go backwards, Rowan. Mm. I think they can't afford to. Mm. I don't think Ratton can afford to, but certainly there has to be an influx. They need Gresham back from injury. They need to see the best of Hunter Clark. Where, where's Billings? What is Billings now? A third round draft pick in front of Marcus Bontempelli. I know Harry Hindsight raises his head this time of year. Uh, you don't Marshall, mean third round, you mean third draft pick right did i say third round yeah yeah well, you know no number three yeah dougal howard um king's kicking came good in the last game of the year there's so many question marks from age pace youth versus improvement players they've got a number of categories in that team and haven't been able to nail any of the specific areas i've got a bit of a query about their brilliance to me, they're a little bit pedestrian and they relied very heavily on, you mentioned Gresham. He was a spark player for them. Uh, Paddy Ryder, who's now retired, very much a spark player for them. Max King, you know, he, I mean, his contested marking was terrific this year, ended up with 57 goals. So he's had a great season, but God, he needs to nail his his shot, his kicking for goal, doesn't he? Because that, that really holds him back. Is it? Yeah, I agree. Is it is is Steele, and I say with the greatest respect, is Steele, Crouch and Ross pedestrian Rowan in the midfield? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, look, Jack Steele's so, a wonderful competitor and uh, leader and ball winner, but he's, he's not necessarily a match winner. Uh, Crouch, ditto, I think. And Ross, absolutely. Ross is the definition, and I'm not even having a go at him here, but Ross He's is the definition player. of a good, honest player, isn't he? So it lacks what experience. Saying, yeah, and you've summed it up. Pedestrian, folks, is not a knock. It is, it, it's not a knock. It, it, it's a summation of the pace of the team and uh, the what they need. Uh do they need another two hill? Gee, Hill's name keeps bobbing up, Rowan, yeah. as an example. The mm. best of Hill, they probably need another two of him. They yeah. need Gresham at his best because you're absolutely right. Gresham is the spark. They're going to miss Ryder because Marshall goes into the ruck. Does uh, Hayes come back, young Hayes, and yeah. support him because he can mark up forward? So uh, this, this is an intriguing squad. I wonder if um, someone like Carl Lehman could really be value for them, seeing you threw him up before. What do you reckon? Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that to compliment wing, halfback, a magnificent left foot kick. I, I don't know um, why the relationship, is the relationship gone cold or is it just that he's reached that, uh, I think he's unrestricted uh, free agent. It, it feels like they've fallen out of love at Port Adelaide with him, but 
left foot, a magnificent left foot kick. I don't think he's over-blessed with blistering pace, mm. but um, certainly he gives them run and great outside distribution of the ball. Now, they're a great ball-using side. No, nothing stands out. Pedestrian Rowan, unfair, fair. Maybe we find another name, but pretty yeah. close. Well, there's scope for them to certainly improve a lot on what they return this year. But as we saw in the first half of the season, when they did get it together, a capable team and 10th, of course, isn't that far out of the finals mix at all. In fact, they were still mathematically, at least, in the finals uh, mix on the very last day of the season. All right, we've got one more non-finalist to review. Let's do it. Ninth spot on the ladder, narrowly and heartbreakingly missing out on finals after having been the eight every week of the season was the Carlton Football Club. And uh, they'll still be gnashing teeth about that last-minute loss to Collingwood last Sunday afternoon. But um, I think it's been a pretty successful year for the Blues. 12 wins, 10 losses, good percentage, 108 point. Three Now, 12 wins, 10 losses. That is uh, a pretty decent improvement on last year when they only won eight and finished 13th. Um, great debut, well, not debut, but first season as Carlton coach by Michael Voss. Definitely instilled um, a real contested ball ethos in them, um, which they fired to the letter. They had uh, a much deeper midfield group, which worked well. They were exciting up forward with Kerno and Mackay. Uh, further developed a couple of little goal sneaks in Owies and Durden, who and Jack Martin, who were important when the Blues were playing their best footy. And solid down back, despite a long catalogue of injuries. And in the end, I feel like injuries probably were the most significant thing in derailing their season, even down to Sam Walsh missing that last game. Despite all that, I thought they soldiered on really well. And, um, you know, they found some resilience, which I think the Blues have lacked on occasions over the years. So I think, you know, yes, they haven't played finals, but I think 2022 has been a great base for them to launch an assault, not just on next year, but for several years to come, led by some pretty spectacular players, and that's underlined by the number of nominations they've got in the All-Australian squad this year, Robert. Yeah, look, look, people will think of the Collingwood game. Collingwood, a quality side, and uh, on the big stage, 95,000, 90,000, what it is, you've got to look back to that very soft loss to Adelaide as the costly performance. I know they made mistakes with their decision-making in the last couple of minutes. Kerno kicking around corners, missing shots and all that sort of thing. But in the end, the timing for Carlton wasn't good. They were in the eight run for 22.95 <laughs> weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, and it didn't go well for them. Um, a couple of areas that I think they've they've got to find out how good Setterfield, Dow, O'Brien and Kemp are, right? Uh, and, of course, early days, the combination of their smalls, Dur D Durden, Owies, Fogarty, Martin, Fisher, Motlop didn't produce. Uh, we saw a little cameo from Motlop at the end with goals, but they lost their way with their smalls. The reliance on the big blokes was... Pretty considerable, and they generally didn't let them down. Uh, 
I don't know where Tom DeConning ended up, but he certainly didn't end up in the first ruck. I thought he was magnificent for them. But as soon as Pitney came back, uh, they'll look at that. Was that the right decision or the athleticism of De, De, DeConning to take them into the finals? Um, small players lost form, are very unlucky. Look, it is unlucky. You go into a final without your core mids in Walsh, Hewitt and Kennedy uh, playing a team of the ability of Collingwood uh, who were missing Taylor Adams out of the midfield. It's a considerable head start for the Pies. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it certainly fell away. They were 8-2 after 10 rounds and uh, then over the last 12 went four wins and eight losses, including losing yeah. the last four. But... Again, I say sometimes, you know, obviously the latter is the most crucial stat of them all. But I, I've dug up some stats, Robert, which I think are pretty telling about the extent of their improvement. Now, last year, Carlton ranked 17th for points conceded. They were dismal. This year, that was sixth. That's a big improvement. On the differentials, they went from 13th for disposals last year to first this year. Contested oh. ball, 15th to second. Uncontestable. 13th to 2nd. Clearances, 16th to 2nd. Tackles, 17th to 6th. They're major improvements, particularly about the not um, insignificant skill of getting your hands on the footy. And I reckon that happens even more in a midfield that is at full strength. And that means not just Cripps and Walsh, but it means, um, who else are we talking about now? Uh, Hewitt, 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 Kennedy. Chera, Kennedy. Yeah. Now, that is a pretty strong midfield group, I reckon. So the pluses for me are pretty obvious. And, of course, having not played finals since 2013, it really hurts the way they missed out. But they really need to keep their eye on the bigger picture. I'm sure that's what Vossi and co. will be doing. And their longer-term health, I think, looks terrific. And they've got another trade period now and another draft to keep stocking up on that talent. And there's no doubt they have some really significant talent. So I think and, the pitch is very bright. No, I agree, I agree with that. And you had a look at the game where I thought that Cripps and Cheryl were magnificent to, and the way they contributed in that eight-goal quarter. But the fact that they um, didn't have the depth or the support through Walsh, Hewitt and Kennedy in the crucial last quarter where they just they just tied on their run. So look, I'm, I'm looking forward to next year for them. Um, yes, in the short term, it will hurt, but they'll be buoyant going into the season. They are quite remarkable stats, Rowan, and shows a significant improvement across the board. Unfortunately for Carlton, it didn't result in a finals performance. Yep, like I said, uh, bitter disappointment at the death for the Blues, but uh, bigger picture, guys, uh, the future, I reckon, Looking pretty bright. The Carlton Football Club finishing in ninth spot on the ladder. And the top eight, well, we're going to be talking about them over the next month. Looking forward to what should be a terrific finals series. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing it to you, both previews and reviews. And, of course, plenty of news going on, as uh, was demonstrated uh, the other day when we had that breaking news about Essendon CEO, Xavier Campbell-Wass, we're recording this podcast, uh, but it's going to be all about the footy primarily for us over the next month, and we will return 
next Wednesday with our finals week one previews, four big games to have a look at along with plenty of news. Uh, Well reviewed once again, Mr. Shaw. Um, Thanks for your company, everyone. Uh, You can support our podcast at the uh, ACAST supporter page links. Uh, They will be in the show description wherever you listen to the Footyology podcast or become a Footyology patron uh, via one of the many links to Patreon, a wonderful platform supporting independent uh, journalism, writing and publishing. And um, we're very appreciative of your support to keep this little operation going. I hope you've had a good weekend, everyone. And uh, well, let's get stuck into the men's season finals. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday to talk to you all about them. See you then. (laughs) 